But no, there was one adventure after another. When you're in business, you have, you have a lot of ups and downs and false starts and things like that. And we we had our share of those. But overall, the, the good the good news is that people seem to really like the product. Welcome to the My Famed Explained podcast, a podcast about the people you know and how they became famous. I'm your host, Larry Gilbert. On this premiere episode, I talk to the man whose brand you've heard of, products you might have tasted at a sports stadium, amusement park, or a mall. I'm talking about microbiologist Kurt Jones, the man who revolutionized the ice cream industry starting in 1988, using his knowledge of cryogenic technology to invent Dipping Dots ice cream. And although he's no longer a part of the brand, he's still revolutionizing the food industry, as he has now done to coffee what he did to ice cream. On to a second act in life, he started the company called 40 Below Joe, a frozen pre-packaged coffee available across the U.S. and soon coming to Canada. But better he tell you about his story than me, so here's my conversation with Kurt Jones and his Dipping Dots fame explained. Dipping Dots is obviously part of your journey. started in 1988, but I kind of want to go back to your childhood where you grew up on a farm in Illinois and... You made ice cream on that farm, so it wasn't necessarily a foreign concept for you uh, from an early age. But tell me about the early days in farm life. Yes, I grew up in um, in southern Illinois, uh, the very southern tip of Illinois, uh, near a <clears throat> near a town called Grand Grand Chain. It's a, a small town, about 250 people, and we lived about four and a half miles outside of town. We had a 250 acre farm, and we grew mostly um, <clears throat> like soybeans and corn wheat and uh, we also raised pigs probably a 10 year old kid or whatever I can remember us uh, every summer we would make it make homemade ice cream at least you know two or three times during the summer but it would basically just be a just a real simple recipe of uh, you know milk and cream and sugar and sometimes you put eggs in it and uh, just at various recipes we make it with strawberries sometimes sometimes it would just be vanilla or we might make pineapple but it was just kind of fun. We had a, a little uh, hand cranked um, machine for a while and that we would use ice and salt. And then later we got a, an electric one, uh, had a small electric motor on it where it would kind of turn itself and you could listen to the motor kind of change <clears throat> sounds as it got thicker, you know, so it did pull a little bit harder and you could tell that it was getting close to being done. After your, your early years on the, on the farm, um, you go to college at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. And what did you study there and why? Well, I, I always enjoyed um, kind of, uh, you know, little, just learning about different things. And I always, uh, like, again, growing up on a farm, I had several little businesses, you know, that I did little entrepreneurial activities, you know, like we would uh, uh, bale straw during the summer months and sell it to, um, well, sometimes other farmers, but for bedding, but sometimes we would sell it to like the contractors that, that would, um, uh, you know, fix roads and things. They'd have to plant grass or, you know, sow grass seed and then they put the straw over it and things like that. So we, we had little businesses like that. Um, my uh, uh, friend or two of mine, we had various little projects we did, like we raised chickens one time to sell eggs. We had um, a radio repair business because my dad used to work on radios and TVs. And so we had some of his equipment. But anyway, my point is, is that uh, one project I got into before I went to college um, was actually making ethanol from corn, 
which is um, uh, the idea is that it's the same ethanol that you would use to make whiskey or something like that, but we were, we were wanting to use it as a fuel. And uh, so I started experimenting with that. But about the time I went to college, um, <clears throat> I got interested in microbiology because it covered a lot of the things that are related to agriculture. Uh, microbiology is a study of single cell uh, organisms like bacteria and yeast and things like that. And a lot of people study it for the medical side, you know, because, you know, you can get sick with bacteria and things like that. But there's also uh, probably 99% of the single cell organisms are good for you or they're used in some like yeast to make beer, that kind of thing. So anyway, I just always had that kind of background interest when I went to school. I started studying microbiology from the industrial side, and uh, and that kind of kind of pushed me in a different direction in life, where I ended up getting a job after college, uh, you know, working for a biotech, biotechnology company. And it was there at that biotech company that you started experimenting with, was it nitrogen and ice cream and, and that kind of thing? And didn't you pitch this concept to your boss, which he had no interest in, in doing any of that? Yeah, and um, where I worked at, um, they... Um, they weren't using liquid nitrogen at the time, but they were, their original business was actually supplying yeast and enzymes for people that wanted to do things like I was interested in, like making fuel alcohol, or they also sold to uh, distilleries and breweries and things like that. But they were switching over to a new business concept about the time I started, a little before I started there. And they were supplying um, products to, to mix back into animal feeds that, that would, um, would be kind of an alternative to antibiotics or in other words they were using probiotics which is an all-natural way to um, to keep your animals healthy and it's basically the same thing that you get when you eat yogurt you have um, lactobacillus bacteria um, when it gets inside of your digestive system um, and and it kind of attaches to your um, intestinal tract in different places you know in other words it's a way it's like i said it's a it's a it's a natural alternative to using antibiotics you, you stay healthy by having healthy bacteria growing in your gut basically uh -huh. so they were they were getting off into this business and my job was to grow these pure cultures of lactobacillus bacteria <clears throat> and then we would freeze them in thin sheets to run through a freeze dryer to remove the moisture and then this powder that we would grind up was just billions and billions of cells of bacteria that could be put back into animal feeds at different concentrations. So in doing all that, <clears throat> I started experimenting with liquid nitrogen because I knew that you wanted to have a very quick freeze to get a small ice crystal formation. And the more, the smaller the ice crystal, the more cells would survive the process. And a month or two after doing that's when I had the idea to try it with ice cream because I thought, well, in ice cream, you're like small ice crystals too. And uh, start playing with it. And yeah, I did show it to my boss. He did think it was kind of a, uh, he said, it's a cute idea, kind of get back to work, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was very supportive of it. When I, I finally did leave the company about six months later, because I, I had this on my mind. And um, he was very nice. He bought me a briefcase and wished me luck. And, and actually later in life, we kind of reconnected. And he did actually, uh, uh, he did invest some money in the company when we were going international. And, and so he, he was a believer in the product and he was a very good mentor to me as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it all worked out pretty nice. Um, and so when, when you left the company, so you wanted to start 
this ice cream brand or was it just something where you thought, you know, I'll give it a try and see what happens? And uh, your wife, was she on board with this? Like, did you have a discussion with her or was, was, was she kind of nervous about you leaving your job to pursue this passion that you had? Well, we were both a little bit nervous about giving up a good job, but um, she knew that I was passionate about about trying it and um, and she believed in it too. I mean, uh, we had played with it and given it around to our friends and neighbors and we'd done several family picnics and things like that and even though a lot of people were skeptical when they first tried it they all seemed to like it you know and <laughs> and uh so we just felt like you know we've got something here that's unique and different we we, we need to give it a try luckily we were young enough I, I felt like that if you know if it, it wouldn't have worked that you know I could have you know probably found another job and things like that uh so we just kind of took a leap of faith and said let's try it you know and so uh, quit my job in the middle of the winter and you know tried to open an ice cream store and you know a lot of different things happened but eventually uh, uh, you know we were we were kind of off on our in our own business um, and when when you first started was it dipping dots as, as we know it today was the consistency and all of that like the same when you were you know sharing it with friends and 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 was their reaction kind of like uh, why does ice cream need to be reinvented and and did it seem strange to them the concept? Because I think now you know nowadays I go to a sporting event and I see a dipping dot stand and I'm like, you know, it's just second nature. Oh, that's dipping dots. You know, you don't think about it. But back then it was probably a concept where it was like, what is this like consistency of these small dots and it's ice cream and like how how did your friends react? You know, when you were sharing it with them early on before it was even a company or a brand. Yeah, I mean exactly. Um, there was <laughs> at first people would look at you like what kind of trick are you playing on me you know ice cream <laughs> stock beads and then, you know what's really in there and what is this and uh but yeah you know once you got people to taste it um yeah they really kind of got the idea it's like oh wow uh, it's kind of neat you know it's kind of a different way to eat ice cream it's fun and things like that so but yeah it was a, it was a steep learning curve um you know you can go to sporting events today and see the line at the dip and dot stand but i can tell you back then you almost had to you know, tackle people to get them to even try it. You know, if you had a kiosk set up someplace, <laughs> and uh, you know, nobody knew what dipping dots meant or what it. And we finally came up with the term "ice cream of the future," which kind of piqued people's interest to come over and see what the ice cream of the future was really about. Right. How did the name and, come uh, about, um, dipping dots? Like, how did you come up with the name? Um, <clears throat> well, the year that I we started and opened the store. Well, the year that I quit my business actually or the, my job was uh it was november of 1987 and we ended up opening the store in march of 1988 well between november and march we did a lot of work getting everything ready and we did not have a name yet but when we went home for christmas which we lived about 250 miles from our our home where we grew up we decided to have a uh, a little party <clears throat> a little christmas party but it was kind of a potluck but also we in, we were decided we were going to make ice cream beads and let people give us their ideas because we had been looking at a lot of different names. We had probably four pages of names, you know, like all these different things. Yeah. And uh, not, nothing was really clicking that we just really felt passionate about. And so at the party, um, uh, one of the ladies there, a girl named uh, Bonda Jones, actually, and she's no relation, but um, her husband and I had worked together before. And um, anyway, she had written down, if I remember correctly, she had written down like dip and dot, like two two characters, like dip and dot ice cream, you know. Uh -huh. 
but, but when I heard it, kind of reading it across the table, different people reading off different names, I kind of heard it as dipping without a G. That's kind of what I heard. And uh, my mind went to, oh, yeah, that's kind of, I like this. I wanted something that would kind of explain what it was, but yet be fun. And so, you know, it was kind of like dipping dots. And uh, we just left the G off of it and put an apostrophe. For you, kind of your first breakthrough, I know it was a long story, setting up at Opperland USA, things that I've read about you where the stand was kind of set up in the back of the park. It didn't really get, gain much traffic, but then uh, once they moved you to a different part of the park, it took off, and, and that was kind of your big breakthrough And where Dipping Dots really took off was Opperland USA, right? That's correct, yes. Um, well, first of all, we, we ran that store in Lexington, Kentucky uh, during 1988, and um, we, we made a lot of progress there as far as the development of the flavors and things like that and the, the concept and the branding and all that. But we knew that we needed to go someplace where we could sell more product. And so my sister, Connie, um, she decided that uh, she would try to call around some places. I remember we called Disney <laughs> and we were in this little office we had rented. We'd, we'd moved back to Paducah, Kentucky. We're kind of between Paducah and Lexington at the time because my fam, my, my, my dad and mom and my sister wanted, wanted to get involved in the company. So we decided to kind of move back into the southern Illinois area mm-hmm. in Paducah, Kentucky. It's right across the river there. But we rented a small office in Paducah, Kentucky for like $70 a month. And I remember um, Connie and I both had a, a desk there, and, and I remember her talking to someone from Disney, and, and they were telling us, you know, like they would buy like, you know, container loads of ice cream, and, and we were thinking, well, how much is a container? And anyway, anyway, we decided there was no way we could, you know, do something like that. We were too small. But she called Opryland Theme Park down in Nashville, which was much closer to us, about a two-hour drive, and uh, got an appointment down there uh, after several kind of funny interactions the guy was asking her things like uh, you know is it a you know how long has the product been around well it's you know it's brand new product and how well does it sell well it it doesn't sell very good <laughs> you know it's, it's new and uh anyway it's just one question after another and and finally though uh, he agreed to see us and and then we, we went down and can actually but you can actually show people the product and let them taste it you know it makes a big difference and so he kind of became totally. a believer in it and uh but the product, um, yeah, you're right. It, it didn't really work the first really two years, uh, but they finally let us have a, a place um, that we could run the store ourselves. It was a little store, a little building that we had to remodel near the petting zoo, and uh, we were off the beaten track. So we had to develop things like how do we get people to come up and try our product, and uh, so we had uh, uh, we used to put people out there calling called them flaggers, and they would flag people, start a conversation with them. And then, you know, eventually get them to come over and try a sample. And then after doing that hundreds and hundreds of times, you know, you eventually would get enough people to come over and start buying product and kind of get a little bit of a following to Kind of where did it go from there after uh, Opryland? Yeah, well, with, with after Opryland, um, once we had some data that was positive, like once after like the third year of being in the business and once we actually started making it sell, you know, because we got to run the standard sales and got to do a lot more inside the park, you know, um, sampling people and talking to people and all that. Once we got some good data, we were able to take that to some other theme parks. Because one thing we did every year since 1989 is we went to this big uh, trade show uh, for theme parks and amusement parks. And we were able to present our product there and talk to different people from different parks. And and I think after Opryland's 
uh, you know, at, once we had gotten into Opryland, we, we were able to get into three or four other parks the following year. And then we were able to kind of grow that uh, up from like four parks to 11 parks. And so all of a sudden we were kind of in the theme park business and we were, we were you know, we had learned kind of how to make our product work in that environment. Uh, we developed a kiosk model, you know, which puts it right out, you know, where people can, you know, you're closer to the people that are walking on the pathways and things like that. Um, but yeah, so then, um, yeah, there's a million different stories of different things that we did. You know, we, uh, um, there was a story about the two ladies that wanted to put it in Minnesota and that was even before Opryland. They, oh. uh, we weren't, we weren't really shipping product very far at the time because you had to do it on dry ice. And, and so we, we did, um, uh, license a little manufacturing machine to them. Uh, but then um, some of the other stories that were kind of fun is uh, we eventually shipped product to Japan, um, which was interesting about five or six years into the business. And, and uh, there, there was a whole story about how that all came about and, and shipping our first container load across the ocean with dry ice only, you know, so we had a lot of risk in that. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, and um, they wanted to call it something different because different dots didn't mean anything. But um, but Kay, um, uh, she kind of finally made the decision. It was like, well, you know, um, nobody here knew what different dots were either. So, you know, people just have to kind of learn it. And so we kind of stuck with the name and worked out pretty good that way. But no, there was one adventure after another. When you're in business, you have, you have a lot of ups and downs and false starts and things like that. And we we had our share of those. But overall, the, the good the good news is that people seem to really like the product. I mean, the product was just kind of different enough and unique enough, and yet it tasted good, you know. So I think we kind of built a following over the years and and uh, just kind of had steady growth, you know, from the from about the third or fourth year on. What people may not know about you today is that you actually don't own Dipping Dots or have any um, involvement in the company? Long story short, I mean, over the years, we had several things going on as we were growing our business. Um, we had some lawsuits from, uh, we had some competitors that, that tried to come into the market and we had patents on our products. And and, um, um, and then, we, you know, in, in other words, some of these things that happened ended up being very costly. It cost a lot of money, you know, to to um, you know, have something in the legal system for several years, and so when the recession hit in 2008, I guess in that in that time frame, um, we had some extra debt from expanding the plant. Um, we also had some extra expense from the lawsuits and things like that, and so whenever the recession hit, we we kind of got in a bind with our bank. Um, and we didn't quite get that worked out in time before the banking crisis hit. So it was, you know, it was one thing after another. And eventually we decided to try to bring in um, a partner, if you will. And, uh, um, well, we went, well, we actually had went through a, um, we had to declare a chapter 11 because the bank had gotten pretty aggressive with us. Yeah. And so during that process, um, when chapter 11 kind of came out in the newspapers that we were going to try to reorganize our company, we, we were contacted by someone that wanted to invest into the company. And eventually we did that deal, but it ended up being uh, where they ended up owning the company. And um, so we, we kind of moved on. Well, I stayed with the company for three years and, and helped uh, get the company growing again and, and um, Dippin' Dots recovered, you know, great. And then, um, 
you know, we, we end up going, going our separate ways. You know, all of this isn't necessarily the end of the story. This is kind of where it picks up again in that now you actually own a company called 40 Below Joe, which is the same kind of concept with Dipping Dots and ice cream, but now it's kind of applied to coffee. So um, how did that come about? Was it like just, okay, now I want to start a coffee company and apply this to coffee? Um, were there other foods that were experimented with before this, or how did you settle on coffee? Yeah, well, always from the beginning, I was always experimenting with other things besides ice cream. Of course, the ice cream became so popular that that's what took, that's what most of our energy went into. But we we had frozen almost anything you could imagine that that could be put into a bead, and and um, there's a lot of different things that we've worked on over the years. But the way that coffee came about was uh, probably over 10 years ago, we had some Dippin' Dot stores that we were going to put coffee in. And I started just regular coffee, you know, just add coffee to the menu. And uh-huh. I started studying the coffee market a little bit. And what I found out, if you, if you talk to a barista at a coffee shop, they'll tell you that to make a cappuccino or a latte, you want to use a fresh shot of espresso. In other words, you, you have your beans there, you grind them, you run them through the espresso machine, and then you take the a shot of espresso and you make your other drinks with it and um, the reason that they give you for that is that oxygen in the air will start to oxidize chemicals in the coffee and you know make it taste old or stale or, or whatever and some people will say this happens within you know seconds or minutes of once, of once you make the espresso shot so my curiosity kicked in and said well I wonder what would happen if I made a fresh shot of espresso and froze it at 320 below zero into beads you know could you bring those beads back to life an hour later or a day later or a week later and I found out that you could and I even kept some for over a year and you couldn't tell any difference than when you'd frozen you know and, and that's keeping them at 40 below zero once you freeze them at 320 below zero so I always knew that we had something there with coffee and I was going to launch it as a Dippin' Dot product. We actually did a couple of trade shows uh, with, you know, Dippin' Dots coffee and things like that. But when you have Dippin' Dots anywhere in your name, everybody thinks ice cream, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. And so it was kind of confusing if we went to a trade show and tried to, you know, sell Dippin' Dots coffee. And, um, but anyway, when everything happened and we kind of transitioned out of the company, um, when we first were going to be partners in the company, I'd kind of, I'd kind of brought this in as here's something else we can develop. But once we kind of went our separate ways, you know, I took the coffee concept with me as, as, as well as a few other things. And uh, we decided in about 2016 to start really working on this exclusively. And the idea at first was to be able to give the consumer a bag of coffee that they could buy in a grocery store and take it home, put it in their freezer and just scoop it into a cup when they got ready to make a cup of coffee, add a little bit of water, microwave it or steam it and have a great cup of coffee. And it works that way. My wife's been doing that for over 10 years. But then we thought, well, uh, what would happen if we started putting little beads of like a creamer with it, with flavor, and then kind of offer it as an edible product. So we started making uh, products two or three years ago um, where we would take almond milk or coconut milk and we would add basically an, an organic cane sugar and an all-natural flavor such as hazelnut or um, French vanilla or whatever it might be. So now we have a line of products that are basically little beads of coffee mixed with little beads of non-dairy creamer. And 
you sell it just like you would Dippin' Dots. You can eat it with a spoon. And so now you can eat your coffee. So kind of like with Dippin' Dots, where we kind of offered you a new way to eat ice cream, we're now saying here's a new way to consume coffee. And, you know? and is it frozen the whole time? Like, do you have to keep it cold? Or um, or like you said, where it can be packaged and you just take it home and then put it in the freezer? How does... Yeah, well, no, it does have to be cold. And therefore, you know, okay. the, the, the name 40 Below Joe... Um, actually kind of refers to the temperature that we, you know, that we keep it at, um, you know, when you're buying it as an edible product, it just like if you bought it at a, oh, let's say you went to Six Flags tomorrow and bought 40 Below Joe, you would get it out of a 40 Below freezer, just like you would have gotten Dippin' Dots out of a 40 Below freezer. To, and, and we keep it at 40 Below Zero to keep the free rolling nature of, of the beads. Uh, okay. Uh, so now is it uh, mostly wholesale? Do you have shops? What's kind of like the, the business model? if you will. Yeah, this business model, um, we, we sell mostly at wholesale. So we'll sell to other people that have shops. It could be an ice cream. I mean, it could be a, um, well, it could be an ice cream shop. It could be a coffee shop. It could be a gift shop in a hospital. It could be a cafeteria. Uh, it could be in a museum. It could be in a theme park, you know, so we basically provide, um, products in little pre-filled cups that have a seal around it. You know, so that it's just, it's, it's a kind of a grab and go product. You, you can, you know, they can sell it, just offer a spoon with it. Uh, we also sell it by the bag, like if we're going to sell it to a theme park so that they can dip it into cups, you know, so there's, there's a couple different ways that we make it, but we're, we're mostly in the wholesale business. We probably will have a few 40 below Joe kiosk in some um, locations like malls and things like that. But right now we're mostly focused on wholesaling to other people to um, create their own business model with it. Okay. And is there a geographic region where it's available now? Like for those listening um, that want to try it or whatever, like what states is it available in or, or, you know, what area? Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're, um, we're making it available uh, nationwide. I mean, we're not really selling in Alaska and Hawaii just yet, but we, you right. know, the, uh, the other 48 states, <clears throat> we're actually making it where we can ship it anywhere. So if someone wants to have their own, um, uh, we have a concessionaire's package, for example, where you could buy a 10 by 10 tent or you could buy a uh, umbrella cart, for example. And so you could be in business to your local fairs and festivals. And so we have ways to ship, you know, product and equipment to you. Um, we actually are going to be selling it in Canada this year, too. We actually have a distributor in Canada that's going to start, um, you know, putting in um up there so we are we are going to be in basically the 48 states and then and, and in canada uh, at least for this year okay cool i look forward to uh trying it I, I definitely want to try this as i've tried dipping dots and see it every time i go to a sporting event no matter what city i'm in around the country i always seem to to see a cart and it's always a long line too um yeah do you have any regrets in in anything that you've done um in business and is there anything that you would have done different along the way um, looking back now and on your life and all the accomplishments that you've had? Uh, no, I have no regrets. I mean, I, I've enjoyed being an entrepreneur and, and owning my own business. Um, I, uh, I think it uh, is a good way of life. I mean, you, you, you have, uh, you work hard and you work many hours, but you also have a certain amount of freedom in the way that you, uh, you know, plan your schedule and things like that. Uh, I've enjoyed the fact that we've been able to provide a lot of jobs for other people. Um, I grew up in a very small rural area uh, in Southern Illinois and, um, and, you know, we were able to provide a lot of jobs for folks up there that, that 
you know, might not have had that opportunity. So that's, that's a good feeling. Um, but no, I think, I think, um, small business really, I think is the heartbeat of America. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's some big companies and, and it's great to get a job at a big company, but it's a lot of, there's a lot of small businesses out there that are, you know, struggling every day to make ends meet, but, but yet they're providing jobs and experiences for, for young people and, and well, all ages of people, you know, looking for, for work. And, uh, so no, I have no regrets. Um, I try to learn from, you know, if I do something and it doesn't work out, I just try to learn and go on. I don't try to, um, overanalyze what happened. You know, you can kind of tell why something went wrong or what you might've done differently, but you can't get caught up in that. You just gotta, you know, it's kind of like an athlete, you know, you get knocked down, you gotta get back up and play the game. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. And that's a great, you know, mantra in life. Um, and uh, for any entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs that are listening to this, um, what advice would you give them that, you know, say want to start their own business or maybe a young scientist that's experimenting with something new, whether it be food or some other product um, that would love to like follow in your footsteps and create this brand someday? Well, I always tell people, you know, to go into business for yourself, you have to really um, have a good product or a good service, you know, and you really got to question yourself like, is this really something that can survive out there? Because there's a lot of expense to uh, trying to start and run a business, you know, and, and you have a lot of things against you. So you've got to really be excited about what you have uh, or what you're going to provide. And um, it does come down to being passionate about what you have and what you're doing and how much you have to believe in it a hundred percent, you know, and I'm not a natural salesperson, but I can sell ice cream or I can sell coffee because I believe in what we have, you know, and so that makes a big difference when you go in a room and and try to get someone else to sell your product, which is, which is what a part of what being an entrepreneur is. You have to make a, you can have the greatest product in the world, but if you can't sell it, you know, you've got a problem. So I just tell people to really believe in, um, try to come up with something you can really believe in and get behind a hundred percent. And then just, you you just gotta you've just gotta have the attitude that you're gonna make it work no matter what all right well great kurt your uh, inspiration for everyone and i really enjoyed uh hearing your story and and learning about your life and i think it's an interesting uh life that you've lived and uh thanks so much for taking the time and sharing it with us well you're welcome and i appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to do the interview that was kurt jones the inventor of dipping dots ice cream you can learn more about his current business, 40 Below Joe, by visiting 40belowco.com. And don't forget, you can download the My Famed Explained podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with family and friends and rate us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Larry Gilbert, and until next time, this is the My Famed Explained podcast at myfameexplained.com.